0: I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today, in Jesus' name.
1: We are in Psalm 44, which is one of the longer psalms, No, I mean not longer, It's a longer psalm. It's one that's got about 25 verses, and it is it is an interesting psalm as you look at it and as you study it. The reason it's so interesting is because it is a psalm about God forsaking or, and when I say forsaking, not forsaking, but God taking his hand off his people because of their rebellious hearts and and what that looks like to them. Because as you look at the psalm and as you study it, it's about it, he got, the psalmist goes into and it's written by the sons of Korah. The psalmist goes into goes into you know how God how God has treated them and how they feel and the results of that treatment and the struggle that they're having and I think it's a very interesting psalm because it parallels the uh, prodigal son story in the sense that Israel would be the prodigal son, but it would be a whole people. And how how they how they fare without the presence and the power of God uh, overlooking them and taking care of them. Now, God never leaves us nor forsakes us, but when we sow certain seeds in our lives you know, of destruction, they're going to bear fruit because God's made the universe that way. And so understanding that do not be deceived, God is not mocked. That which a man sows, so shall he also reap. Is uh, understanding that is written in the history, it's written into, in the, in the poetry, it's written in the prophets of the Old Testament, it's in uh, New Testament, in the Gospels, it's in the Epistles, and it's in prophecy of the New Testament. It's written, it, the Bible is replete with that idea, that understanding. And in fact, I would say that it's a principle by which the universe was actually created. And, and it's embedded in how uh, the universe operates for action. There's an equal and opposite react. Some of the uh, common things, what must go up, what goes up must come down. That's, it's the idea, it's the idea that when you do something, it has consequences, that the actions of man, the actions of humans in God's creation have consequences. And so as you study this passage, and as you look at it, it, it is important to see while he is lamenting or complaining or not even really complaining. He's just saying what he is that you understand that this is a picture of, of, of someone who has known God or Israel who has who is uh, blessed by God and taken care of by God. And now they're not. And now they're struggling with it. And let's read it. It's good. He it says, we have heard with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us the deeds you did in their days, in the days of old. Now he's starting out with, we know the relationship you had with our fathers. And that has always been the worry it bore out in the Old Testament. And it has always been the concern of the New Testament. And the concern is that the blessing and the understanding and the the walk with God that was attained by A generation would not be passed to the next generation. And and even in this, he said, we have heard. And notice, it's not that we have experienced, we have heard. And, And my desire for my children is not that they hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but that they experience it because if they experience it, that means they're walking with God. And if they're walking with God, then I have nothing to worry about. And and when I say that, I have absolutely nothing to worry about because God loves them more than I love them. And God's plans for them are greater than my plans for them. And God's work in their lives is going to be greater than any work that I could conjure up in my brain. And so I want God, I desire for God to have a personal relationship with my children and my grandchildren. I don't want my uh, grandchildren to hear what God did for us. I want my grandchildren to know what God does for his people. And, and so this song opens up. We we don't want the next generation to hear because if the next generation hears and does not experience, then the next generation will not even know. So if you have a generation that experiences God, but it's not passed on to the next generation so that they experience God, they hear of what happened in the experience of God, but then the generation that comes after them, the, the, the third generation will not even know God. Well not even have heard of him. And so you drove out the nations with your hand, but then you planted. Meaning, notice he said he he drove out he drove out the people in the in, in the land of Israel, in the land of Canaan, and, and he drove out he drove them out from both the east and the west of the Jordan. He says, But then you planted, you afflicted the peoples and cast them out. Notice that God was at work and he cast them out. All right, He said, for they did not gain possession of the land by their own sword. Notice, he knows that they did not get God's blessing by their own efforts. They got it by God's sovereign plan and sovereign will, nor did their own arm save them. Uh, notice, they did, They couldn't even protect themselves, but it was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your countenance, because you favored and the favor of the Lord comes from obedience by faith, not obedience for obedience sake, not obedience for the love of the law, obedience by faith, obedience because we trust God and we hear him and we do what he says. He says, you favored them and your sovereign will planted them. You are my king, oh God. Notice he's saying, you're my king. Command victories for Jacob. Through through you, we will push down our enemies. <clears throat> Notice he's, he, the psalmist here, the sons of Korah understand <clears throat> they understand that that there is no hope except in God and he says through you we will push our, our down our enemies through your name your character we will trample those who rise up against us for I will not trust in my bow notice he said I'm not I'm going to hear and understand the generation before me and I am going to uh, know you and trust in you, and not trust in my own strength. Nor shall I, my sword, my sword save me, but you have saved us from our enemies, and have put to shame those who hated us. In God we boast all day long and praise your name forever. Selah. What do you think about that? And and he, he is he's saying I have a trust in you. I I, I know you. But notice he says, and this is a transition verse, but cat, you cast us off and put us to shame and do not go out with our armies. Why? Because the people have rebelled and, and started worshiping the other gods and started seeking other people. You make us turn back from the enemy and those who hate us have taken spoils for themselves. Notice they're, they're having victory over that the victory is now not with God and God's people, but it's with the, with the enemy of God's people because God's people have not been God's people. You have given us up like sheep intended for food. And notice he said his point of view is that God gave them up. God's point of view is that, is that his people turned from him. And so it wasn't that he gave them up, it's that they left him. He says, you've given us up like sheep intended for food and have scattered us among the nations. And that's true, that's true that, that 10 tribes were sent into exile and scattered among the nations and no one knows where they are. Well, <clears throat> really nine and, and a few, uh, nine and, and the Levites, the nine levites uh, of the Levites that were in those tribes he says, you sell your people for next to nothing. That's a commentary. He says, that their view is you sold us for next to nothing. A person's failure to trust God or a nation's failure to trust God leads to turmoil and destruction. And that is true. That was true back then. It's true today. Like I said earlier, it is written into the laws of the universe. <laughs> now, You say, what about our nation? Our nation is what it is because of the hand of God and because God's people have sought his face. And you say, our nation has got a lot of problems. Sure, because everybody's got a lot of problems, but our nation, Western culture was the first to begin to abolish slavery. Our nation fought a war where millions died so that wrong could be righted. And even today we struggle with those things. Why? Because Christians struggle with doing God's will and God's best in the culture that they live in. And that's what makes this nation great. That's what makes this nation's economy double and triple the size of any economy that tries to reach its heights. That's what makes our military 10 times stronger than any military on the, what makes us great is because we are, we are a people who seek God's face and try to do right uh, by others, even in the midst of maybe historic and maybe even generational wrong, we try to figure out how to do it right in the right way. And that has always been the case here as we t- talk about our nation, but that's the plan God has for not his people in a nation, but if it is his plan for his people in his kingdom. And our job is uh, to look at our lives, and see that our lives reflect Christ. And as our lives reflect Christ, it should change the world we live in and cause the world we live in to reflect who he is also. And so that's that. Is, that that's what makes God's people great. And that's what makes his name great. And that's what makes nations that are full of his people great. And that's what's going to make that now. Now, what's cool about this is God doesn't deal with nations in as much today as He deals with the individual. But that's even better now, uh, because now uh, we don't have to turn the whole rudder of a nation to get it on the right track. All we have to do is deal with the individual heart and mind. and when we share the good news of Jesus and they turn and they're converted and they understand the walk with Christ, then they're changed and. In, in the political sense, it's called grassroots, but what in the real biblical sense, what it's called is, is it's called evangelism. It's called changing the hearts and minds of individuals. And as we do that as a nation, it will change the hearts and minds of the people that we're dealing with. And the issues that our nation struggles with now and will struggle with in the future are changed by the individual, not by the populace and not by the party. And in fact, parties usually have no real value. And you say everything revolves around them. Sure they do, but it's a straw man. It's a clown. It doesn't exist. And, and I say that because one party will exist. One party today will be for for A and the next and, and 10 years from now, they'll be for B. And you can't trust parties, but you can trust God and his kingdom. And you can trust people of other perspectives who have a relationship with God himself, because there's a commonality that is eternal and can't be broken. And so in the Old Testament, God dealt with nations, but in the New Testament, he deals with individuals and the individuals of that nation determine the course of that nation because of the greatness of God's work in their lives. And our task is, as I've said to many people in the last few weeks, our task is not to change the course of a nation. Our, our task is, is to give hope to the hearts Of individuals and they will change the nation. He says, He says, You make us turn back from the enemy, and those who hate us have taken spoil for themselves. That's verse 10. You've given us up like sheep intended for food and gave it and have scattered us among the nations. You sell your people for next to nothing and are not enriched by selling them. Well, God did not sell us. God, God allows us our own will to choose to walk with him. Once we're born again, the salvific process works on your willingness to allow God to move in your life. He, he says, you make us a reproach to our neighbors and scorn and decision to those all around us. Now, I will say this. Oftentimes, a lot of the troubles that happen in this nation are caused by God's people being complacent and not willing to be the force for... Uh, uh, God's will in this world, when the church is complacent, when the church stays home, when the church uh, does not uh, seek God, when the church does not, when the church does not have God's presence in, in worship and God's power moving among them, then it can become anemic and it causes derision to rise up against us. But when God's people are mo- working and when God's uh, power is at work in the world around us, there's no force that can stop that. And so the answer is always found in the power and the purpose of God, not in a political campaign. He says, you make us a byword among the nations, meaning we really don't have any place. We're just nothing now. And shaking of the head among the peoples. My dishonor is continually before me. Why? Because uh, God's people then chose to do what the nations do rather than do what God had told them to do. He says, my dishonor is continually before me and the shame of my face has covered me because of the voice of him who reproaches and reviles because of the enemy and the avenger. Notice there is always going to be darkness that is trying to control this planet and it is going to revile and reproach us. It's always against us, but there is hope in Jesus. And if we walk in that hope and are that light, they have no real power. The power of darkness has already been overcome by the light. John says, we've seen a great light. Uh, That light overcomes the darkness, but we gotta have that light in us and we gotta care about other people. We gotta care that and and not be afraid to be be God to them, to be loving to them, to be merciful toward them, to be be caring to caring for them. He says all this has come upon us, but we have not forgotten you. Notice, and God always leaves that seed in the heart for that time where the prodigal realizes that they have uh, backslidden, that they have that they've neglected their uh, their God, and they wake up. And God always has that in there. And even if you have children or grandchildren that are in the midst of rebellion, remember, God's got that seed in them. You need to pray for that seed to be ignited. He said, but we have not forgotten you, nor have we dealt falsely with your covenant. I mean, notice, no, he says, we haven't forgotten you, and we haven't dealt falsely with what you do. He says, our heart has not turned back uh, nor have our steps departed from your way he's saying we're coming back to you we we've gotten ourselves and anytime we anytime you turn and come back to god he he comes to you too he said he said but you have uh severely broken us in the place of our jackal in place of the jackals and covered us with the shadow of death what he's saying is i'm not sure we can make it back to you not sure we can get back to where you are where we've been where we've been broken down seems like a desolate place that we can never return to. And when you look around, oftentimes I'm not far from in that oftentimes it doesn't not necessarily give you wisdom. Age does not give you wisdom. Age can give you perspective. Only God's only the knowledge of God applied to the applied to his creation is wisdom. And so if you don't have the knowledge of God or you've not spent time applying the knowledge of God to his creation, you don't have wisdom, but you can have a little perspective. And we've been in this position all my life. And we've been in this position uh, from what I can tell from history for years and years. And it seems that, it seems like that there's destruction all around us and there's no hope. And we're in a place where it's gonna be all over in a moment. And the truth is that is not true. It is not gonna be over in a moment. God's people are still in, in places all over this country are still seeking his face both black and white, and and so of all races and all people, God's people are looking and seeking his face, and we wanna be a part of that. As Lake Community Church, we wanna be a part of that. He says, if we had forgotten the name of our God or stretched out our hands to a foreign God, would not God search this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Notice he's saying, you know what we've done, that you searched it out. He's This psalm, remember, is a psalm to the people. It's telling the people that that God knows what they've done and God knows where they're at. He says, yet for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. He says, awake, why do you sleep, O Lord? And what he's asking for is for God to step in and show. And there's nothing wrong with asking God to step in and show up. Uh, There's nothing wrong with asking God to show out for his will and his way. Arise, do not cast us off forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our affliction and our oppressions? For our soul is bowed down in the dust. Notice there's humility, there's a desire for God's uh, protection there's a god there's a got there's a desire for God to remember his people for our soul is bowed down to the dust, our bodies cling to the ground. Arise for our help and redeem us for your mercy's sake. And that last verse really sums up the whole purpose of God and his work in our lives. His work in our lives is to reveal or to glorify his grace and mercy to his creation because we are the only creatures that are capable of acting and walking in his grace and mercy and choosing that. And so the psalmist is saying, God, rather than revealing your judgment and revealing your holiness in your people in the sense of rejecting their iniquity and rejecting their rebellion, we're asking for not justice, but we're asking for grace and mercy again. We're asking to come back to you knowing that you'll come back to us. And that's true on a nation scale, but it's also true on an individual scale. It's true for any person who has their eyes open, has their hearts open, has their minds focused. It's true for any person who has those things going on in their lives. If they will if they will turn their heart and their mind toward him, then he will turn his heart to them. And that's the way it should be. And that's the way it is. And and so we, uh, we, we hope and desire and expect the goodness of God to come, but we've got to seek it. We, we got to turn, we got it, we got to go get it. And if we do that on a daily basis, if we be love to those around us, if we be the smiling face and the face of hope to those who are really struggling with the present situations and uh, the present issues, they are always around us, and there's always something being stirred by the enemy. If we'll be hope and, and love to those, we'll see his best, and we'll have his best, and we'll see lives changed, and then we'll see the land we live in changed. And I'm expecting that, and that's why I always deal with the individual with love and peace and, and joy each day and and expect to see God move in their lives and expect to see good things from. And I'm going to continue to
0: do that today. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.